Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I really believe in working with a local bank so that they can put a face on the person that's borrowing their money as well. They seem more willing to talk and to listen versus a national bank. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, the author Rich Dad Poor Dad, and many others. We don't get into the fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. And with us today, we've got someone to help us keep the momentum going. How you doing, Rich Lennon? I'm doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to the best listeners ever. Yeah, well, looking forward to having you on the show. Rich is the founder and owner of RVA Property Solutions, which is a company that buys and sells residential real estate. He's based in Richmond, Virginia, and currently buys one house a week with the goal to purchase 10 houses a month by the end of this calendar year. The focus is on buy and hold, but they also do fix and flip, wholesale, seller finance, buying notes, creating their own notes, purchasing and selling options. So all sorts of creative, fun stuff. With that being said, Rich, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. I started RVA Property Solutions about three years ago. I became a full-time investor at that point. Prior to that, I was probably serial, serially unemployable. I just have always owned my own business in one capacity or another. I built a website prior to 2013, and I sold those. And I jokingly say I retired, but that was not correct. I just took a year or two off, and I was home raising the kids. 
and looking for my next adventure, and I just kind of stumbled upon real estate. And I threw caution to the wind, educated myself, and just went out looking to find out how I could buy a whole bunch of houses. And it took me a while to buy my first one. It took probably three or four months before I got my first deal, and I was wholesaling at the time. And since then, I've gradually grown over the last three years. And at this point, we're purchasing about a house a week. We would like to be at about 10 houses a week by the end of the year. And it's been quite a journey, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. But it's absolutely been the best decision of my life to, to just go for a full-time real estate occupation. It's been wonderful. What's been some of the down? Well, there are quite a few pitfalls in a house. There's so many things to learn about, let's say, a house itself. A house itself has a whole bunch of different systems. And if you're not a contractor, you have to go and you have to learn what all those systems are and how they work. There's a lot to do with marketing. You have to learn to go out and you have to learn to find the houses. It's not as easy as I haven't bought one off the MLS in a long time. So learning how to market and learning the financing part of it has been a real challenge at times as well. How do I go out and finance my deals through private money and through banking institutions. And up until this year, where I now have an office, we have six or seven employees in the office at this point. But up until this year, I was a one-man show, and I would learn one side of the business, and the other side of the business would fall apart, and I'd run over there and fix those, and then something else would fall apart. It was often like putting your finger in the dam. And it's been a challenge to learn all the different aspects of the business because there are just so many different parts of it. It starts with the house, but it's really so much more than that. Let's talk about that last part you mentioned, how to finance deals through private money and banking institutions. How are you doing that right now? Uh, I'm doing a combination of both. So I do have a fair amount of commercial loans, both 20-year commercial notes as well as third-year fixed notes. But I worry about banking institutions. I worry about my not being able to control it. So I'm really diversifying into long-term private money lenders. And I've certainly been using short-term private money lenders throughout my whole three years that I've been uh, doing real estate. So I've really taken a long time to educate myself on how I could create the best yield versus the best percentage for a real estate investor that lends me the money. And uh, that's gone a long way to attracting private money to me. Can you give a specific deal on the numbers? A specific deal? Well, we borrow money a lot at around 8 to 10% is what we tend to borrow it from. And if I'm going to use a private institution, so if I say, hey, I'm going to buy this as a rental, I'll buy it with cash, I'll renovate it with cash. I try to negotiate with my private money lenders to let me pay them all back at the end when I refinance out. That's a very predictable model. Um, so I tend to pay between 8 and 10% of it. If I'm going to flip a house, the model is a little bit less predictable. You don't necessarily know when you're going to sell it. So I tend to pay a little bit more than that. So maybe I'll pay between 9 and 12% or something like that. And a lot of my lenders used to lend me money just cash right out of their checking account. And I really helped them move money into self-directed Roth IRAs and really taught them how to earn their money and their return tax-free, which has made a dramatic difference on their yield. And once I turned that corner, I found that money is, I don't want to say easy to come by, but at this point, I have more investors calling me up asking me why I can't move their money more than I have a situation where I can't find the money to do a deal. 
Mm-hmm. On the first example, where you borrow it at eight to ten percent, then you refinance out and pay them off. What institution are you using to get that second loan? I probably use four, maybe as many as five local banks to do it. I found that three years ago when I started borrowing, it was actually a little tougher to find a commercial loan that would give you the money. In the last couple of years, the lending institutions have seemed to have loosened up a little bit. And I find it very easy to walk into a local bank, and uh, as long as your numbers work, as long as you have some experience doing it, then it's fairly easy to get the money. And even when I didn't have experience, as long as my numbers worked, I was able to get it. I find that I like the idea of diversification within my local banks. Um, my local banks, I can walk in, I can talk to the bank manager so that my real fear about commercial loans is that through no fault of my own, through a dip in the economy or the federal government decides that my local bank or another banking institution doesn't have enough money that they might call my loan. And so that's a real fear for me. So I diversify banks. So I do several of them so that I don't have all my eggs in one basket. And I really believe in working with a local bank so that they can put a face on the person that's borrowing their money as well. They seem more willing to talk and to listen versus a, a national bank. The last deal that you did with local bank where you cashed out the initial borrower and then put long-term debt on it, what were the terms of that bank and what bank did you use? I think the last one I used was used Bank of Virginia right here in Richmond. I've used Essex Bank here in, in Richmond as well. I get between five and five and a quarter, and depending on the bank, I get a five-year or a seven-year arm on that. So the bank loan is renegotiated. As I've gained experience and i found the right banking institution, I've done things like I set how much the arm can go up. So my first couple of loans, it was basically just at five years, we're going to renegotiate. And nowadays I can be a little bit more predictable in that I know it's going to be, I think it's probably about one to one and a half points above the U.S. Treasury seven-year note. And so I know what my interest rate's going to be when I renegotiate at that seven-year mark. When you renegotiate the seven-year mark, what are a couple exit strategies at that time? Because depending on how the market is or what interest rates are, if financing available, what are you looking at in terms of multiple exit strategies? Well, I definitely would like to keep my properties. I really believe in long-term hold passive income. I don't want to work forever. I want to retire, and I retire will probably be get another job, but I don't want to be only financially independent. And so I'd like to keep as many of the properties as I can. And so if I don't like the interest rates at the time, then I really have to make sure that I have access to capital through private lending joint ventures. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in my home is pretty good equity-wise. I, I typically refinance at a loan to value about 60 to 64%. I think my, my portfolio is about 62%. And so I have a pretty good loan to debt value. So I think I can get joint venture partners and just share the equity. So ideally, rents will keep up. So if the interest rates go up, ideally my rent will go up as well. So that I'll be able to cover any type of interest hike. But if they don't and I'm unsatisfied with what the market is giving, then I would search for a joint venture partner and share some of the equity. Ideally, I'd prefer to keep it in an institutional lender. But if I don't like what's going on, I certainly would go the joint venture route with private money lenders. 
What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, that's a tough one. Um, there's a couple. I would say the first is educate yourself on all the different exit strategies. So when I first was in real estate and I first started buying the homes, I felt like there was just a couple exit strategies. You buy it and you could flip it. You buy it and you could rent it. And that's kind of where I started. But as I've educated myself over the years, there are 10 or 15 different exit strategies for any given home. And if you learn how to do seller financing, if you really learn how to create notes and you can sell your notes on secondary markets with properties, as you really learn all the different things that you can do with the house and learn the different exit strategies, you can buy more and more houses. You're not such a cookie cutter. I think that another piece of advice is everybody should have a mentor. And I really like having a mentor that's not in your market. It's not that people in your market won't help you. Some of my best friends who have been a tremendous asset to me are here in my local market. But I found when I became involved in national networks and where I went out of my market, I really found friends that were really willing to share the nitty-gritty of what they were really doing in their market and what was really giving them an edge. In my local market, people weren't as willing to share that information. So I think finding a mentor and someone who can teach you outside of your market is important. And my final one is I have a friend who, he's the saying he goes, uh, his name is David Phelps, and, and he says that your network is your net worth. And I've really come to understand what that really means. And having a group of investors, and I'm, again, I would say outside of your local market, having a group of investors that you can call upon for advice and you can call upon for all kinds of different situations has really been something that's been a catalyst for my growth in my business. Those are probably the biggest pieces of advice I could give your listeners. Let's talk about the different exit strategies for a given home. You mentioned there's 10 plus. You listed five flip it, rent it, seller financing, create notes. What are the others off the top of your head? Well, there's a bunch of different ways like just, just to rent your property. Like, So there's not just renting your property, but there's rent to own your property, which in my opinion is a much better model. So just within the rental, there's a couple. You can certainly wholesale your property, which is great for a, a chunk of cash. So you can create mortgage wraps. You can be the bank and that you can sell or finance the property back to the homeowner. And which is a really great model and ultimately probably gets you a, a higher yield than when you're renting. So you think, hey, I want to own the property ultimately, but if you sell or finance the property, and maybe you do that by wrapping some notes, that's a great strategy and it's probably more profitable than renting. Let's see, how many how many get there out of there? We've, we've, we've got about eight or so. Any other ones top of mind? Um, let's see. You could joint venture at your home, so learning how to do a joint venture with someone so that you don't have to go to a lending institution, but learning how to do a joint venture is a very profitable way. I think learning how to do your deals in entities are important. For example, I buy all my homes in trust, and I try to keep my transactions in tax-free environment. So learning how to use a self-directed IRA self-directed HSA, self-directed Coverdale, learning how to do things like that make a huge difference in your bottom line. Mm. What type of trust do you buy your homes through? I buy them in a land trust. Land trust, okay. Who do you work with to set that up? 
I use Mary Hart out of North Carolina, which I think she's great at writing trusts. Mm-hmm. Probably through my network, please, she's one of the better ones in the country at doing it. John Hire in Ohio also does a great job of writing trusts. But once those guys write their trusts, you really need to be able to bring it back to your local attorney and make sure that it's specific to your state. I really found that while there's some great attorneys in Richmond and there's some great real estate attorneys in Richmond, I've never really found one locally who who has a real grasp of what I'm trying to do with my trust. Mm-hmm. Because those two people in particular have been very helpful. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. Okay, first a quick word from our best ever partners. If you're looking for home business strategies and how to have a successful one, then go to adamcoaches.com. That's adamcoaches.com. Adam is a previous best ever guest, episode number 76. He's a police officer. He's also a wholesaler, and he's got a successful home business. Go to adamcoaches.com and check it out. Best ever book you've read? Traction. I'm reading Traction now, probably why I would rank it as my best book. But it allows an entrepreneur to scale their business in a trackable way. And it's been great. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learn from it? I would say in the spring of 2014, when I had only been flipping four or five properties, I had a contractor who ran out. He took some money and he ran out. I mean, everybody's got the contractor story and he was mine. (laughs) And it was an opportunity for my business to fail. And I really had to put on the big boy pants and figure out the contracting side of the business because I really didn't have that background. And ultimately, him abandoning me like that was a huge growth for my business because I really delved into the construction side. We ran construction crews as a result of that. And instead of being able to flip one or two homes at a time, we've been able to flip five and six and as many eight at a time. So it was a real challenging time, but ultimately that experience helped me grow my business tremendously. Did you lose out on any money from that contractor leaving the job? He walked away with about 25000 on one job and he had about 10000 in another job that he walked away from. You had already paid for him for that amount and he hadn't rendered those services? That's correct. I mean, this wasn't our first job that we had done, so they had built up a level of trust. And I was paying on an installment plan. It was a, about a five-week project and we gave him the initial deposit for materials. And then one week we were going to pay him another deposit and he had done work for a week, so we paid him the second deposit. And then he really didn't work a whole lot between week number two and three, but convinced me to give him the third deposit. And in total, that equaled about $25,000. I mean, I just never saw him again. He, he strung me along for a good three months until I really realized he was just never coming back. Mm. And uh, it was a painful lesson. Ultimately, I still made money on the job. A testament to you need to buy your house correctly. You need to not push your margins, particularly when you're early in your career in real estate. But... It certainly, I would say, it would be one of my largest catalysts to my current success was that dark time. You know, sometimes it's going to happen as an entrepreneur and you have to figure out a way to get out. Best ever deal you've done? Um, the best one, it's tough because some of them are long-term deals, but I've made 50000 on wholesales. I've made 70000 on flips, on seller finance deals. If you hold a, a note for 30 years and you can wrap it correctly, projected to make a couple hundred thousand dollars and then seller finance deals i've done a couple of those with zero money down zero interest those things make me 25 to thirty thousand dollars a year for the rest of my life 
Is there a book that you've read that lists out the different creative ways to do financing and to make money in deals similar to what you've talked about today? I wouldn't say that there's been one book that I've read that would do that, but there's something called the IRA Fund Cruise, irafundcruise.com. I go on that two to three times a year, and that's really been a huge catalyst for my education. And that it's a bunch of hundred like-minded investors that go on a cruise together. And I really sat down one-on-one and everybody has a different strategy and everybody's from a different market. And that's been my huge growth catalyst. So not necessarily one specific book, although I like to read. I think it's an important part of development. But out networking with people and learning their experiences, I think has really been what's accelerated my growth. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I've started doing education. So a lot of people have helped me along the way. So I've started to give back in my local community. I, I teach young real estate investors at no cost. Really, am here every couple of Saturdays and teach them what they're doing. And I uh, just try to give to the next generation of investors and teach them how to do it right. There's a lot of investors that don't do it right and do it underhanded. They're not most ethical sometimes. People in our business, like every business, has those people. So I think it's important when the new guys come along that we teach them the right way to do it and teach them how to do it in a profitable way for everybody and an ethical way for everybody. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? I think my biggest mistake has been on the contracting side. I didn't have a contracting background. I was more of a, if I had one pillar of strength in the business, it was finance. But the contracting side, I really didn't turn a screw in my life before I became a real estate investor. And a lot of contractors took a lot of advantage of me. Not just the one I talked about, but the next generation. But my biggest mistake has been trusting contractors and not really taking the time to understand the business. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you? I can be reached at RVA propertysolutions.com. That's my website. You can reach me by email at rich at rvapropertysolutions.com. And my telephone number is 804-601-0330. Well, Rich, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about all the different strategies that you employ from flipping it to renting it to seller financing to creating notes to renting to own wholesaling joint venturing creating a mortgage wrap deed the bank and seller finance i mean all sorts of stuff and then also your personal growth experience with the contractor and i enjoyed how you phrased it when the contractor ran out on thirty-five thousand dollars, which you paid him but he didn't do the services for and that was, it was an opportunity for my business to fail, but it didn't. It actually served as an opportunity for you to buckle down, learn that side of the business to the degree that you needed to plug the gap, stop the bleeding. And then that allowed you to be more educated and do bigger and better things at a, a higher degree of scale. So I enjoyed that story as well as all the other ones from how you're scaling your real estate business and how you're collecting the properties and the exit options that you have with the refinances with the local banks and the different type of rates that you're getting and the specific banks that you're using. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. It was great to be here. If you're looking for home business strategies and how to have a successful one, 
then go to adamcoaches.com. That's adamcoaches.com. Adam is a previous best ever guest, episode number 76. He's a police officer. He's also a wholesaler, and he's got a successful home business. Go to adamcoaches.com and check it out.